The text for the sermon this day is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 1. It said, and I thought this would be kind of an appropriate, kind of a nicely appropriate one. It says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now. I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That is the text. I thought that was appropriate because for some of you, Lois is grandmother. Did you have a great-grandmother, Eunice? Because that would have been an awesome coincidence. But anyways, grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, as Lois, as we gather here today, Lois, having lived for 97 years on this earth, a thought that comes to, that sometime might come, and sometimes, to some degree, there's a little bit of a comfort to it, but it's not entirely comforting, is you'll have that thought, well, at least she had a long life. And there's truth to that. But if you go to the scriptures, the scriptures actually would argue that it's more tragic to live a long life than it is to live a short life. There's a couple verse, there's a verse, there's verses in Ecclesiastes and the book of Isaiah that both echo this sentiment. And the reason is, is think about this. Lois was born in 1919. So at the very, very end of World War I. Now, she was an infant. She probably wouldn't remember that. But from what I was told that was it, her dad was in World War I. So, and might have even heard some of the stories of that. I don't know. But within the first years of her life, she would have one of the most... She lived during the time of one of the most corrupt presidencies in the history of our country. A presidency, if you don't know history-wise, that the cabinet was basically, the, basically a mob. So she lived during a time, and that presidency led to this, was very instrumental in the stock market crash. So she lived through the Great Depression. Lived during the time of World War II and the Holocaust lived during the time of the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Civil Rights Movement, which equality is a good thing, but race, the, thing, the fact that we had to have a Civil Rights Movement wasn't a good thing. Going through, living during times of the Cold War, fearing about the nuclear threat that our nation was always worried about the Cuban Missile Crisis, assassination of President Kennedy, 9-11, and every time that she had a cold, every time she had the flu, every time that a friend passed away, 
every broken heart, every broken relationship. And the fact that, I mean, just a year ago, just over a year ago, after pretty remarkably at the age of 96 still moving around on her own, fell, went into the hospital, never to permanently go back home again. And along the way, losing a husband in 93, right? 20 some odd years, 23 years without her husband. See, it's this reality of our world, the tragic nature of our world that leads the scriptures to say that it's better to live a short life. Because yes, there are many, many, many blessings in this world, and I'm not taking that away. But the reality is that there's also a lot of pain and suffering. And we all know it. And this is the consequence that came from sin, not specific sins, but the sin that entered into the world by Adam and Eve. This is how severe that reality is. And it's a sin, that sinful nature is something that every single one of us is infected with, without exception. And every single one of us is a willful participant in that infection. So we can't say, well, the reason I did it is I'm a sinner, I had no desire to do it. We all know that's not true. We are willing, every one of us. And that's the severe state that the world that we live in is. And so that's why it's so fitting that the text that we had for the epistle lesson, this was taken out of, this was from some of the markings in Lois's Bible. It was Romans 5. She highlighted the first section of it, but there's also one of the great, great verses in Scripture. It says, For while we were still weak. Actually, I'm going to get to this a second here. See, we go, when you get to a funeral, the temptation is, is to go through a laundry list of the qualities of the person. Lois was a wonderful, kind woman. I will miss having her, miss visiting her. One of the things I always cherished was just about every time when I left, she always would say, just simply, I'm praying for you and thinking of you. I mean, it's such a simple words, but every time when people say that, it is appreciated. We could speak so much of the qualities and, and the temptation is to say, okay, so she was good enough to get into heaven. She's got everything down. And then meanwhile, we're sitting at the back and we're making our mental tallies and trying to make sure that we match up. And say, oh, I think I'm good enough. I think I should be good right now. But I'm going to let you in on it. I'm going to let you know that you are not good enough. Lois wasn't good enough. I'm not good enough. None of us are good enough for salvation. None of us 
is good enough for eternal life. So again, this verse. While we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hear that? While we were still sinners. While we are enemies of God, he died for us. See, we aren't good enough, but Jesus is. At the beginning of this service, you heard the words of Romans 6, which is just a chapter after this. And you heard, and during that time, you saw this white cloth being laid over the casket as a reminder that many, many, many years ago, that 19, it was 1919, I think, was it February, or was February baptism? She was brought to the baptismal font. Lois was brought there, and she was clothed with the robe of righteousness. The blood that was shed by Jesus on the cross came to her in that moment, washed her clean, when she was absolutely helpless. This is why infant baptism is so awesome. Because nowhere can you see a person more helpless. Because I don't know about you, I've never seen any of those babies walk up to the font on their own. Usually somebody has to carry them, right? So, unless you have a real prodigy child. So somebody has to carry them up. They can't speak for themselves. They can't do anything for themselves. And it's the image of how we are before Christ. All of us are in our sinful nature. And in the waters of baptism, while while we are helpless, Christ gives us himself. So that when we stand before God, he does not look at your righteousness. He only sees his son, Jesus. See, the reasons that Lois had, the reason why we look to Lois is the way that she was, would faithfully hear God's word. The way she would gra- gladly receive the Lord's Supper. Is because that is not why she was saved, but she did it because she was a child of God. She is a child of God, not was, is a child of God. She received eternal life the moment she was baptized, and she lives in it now. So that last Friday, When she closed her eyes for the very last time, breathed her last breath on this earth, in this life, she would breathe her first breath of the Spirit in heaven. 
She, her ears would open, and the very first thing she would sing, and by the way, a really good hymn that echoes this. It's kind of an unfamiliar. I'm, I'm teaching it to people here. Um, Up Through Endless Ranks of Angels. It's in our hymnal. It's an awesome, awesome one that echoes this. But the first thing she heard was angels singing, singing for her, singing in victory, singing, look, Jesus got her up here. Songs that you could not even begin to imagine was the first thing she would hear. And her eyes would open to see the face of her heavenly father. And she hears the voices of long lost loved ones, of her parents, of her husband, and then should feel the warm embrace of Jesus Christ. That is what was echoed in that Old Testament reading from Isaiah. That she is there where there is no tears, no hunger, no thirst, no pain. She doesn't have to have a breathing machine. No, doesn't have to be in a chair the whole time. She is in the presence of Jesus. But the thing is, we're still here. Which is why that reading from 2 Timothy is so valuable. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that she probably made sure that most of you heard something about Jesus. Do you know why? Because she wants to see you there too. Because he alone is the way to that life. Just as Timothy learned through his grandmother Lois, so you learned through your mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, and I've heard, I read great-great-grandmother Lois, that you too may dwell in that eternity. And the thing is that's going to come one day is that all of us, and see this, when we put the body into the ground today, that's only temporary. The scripture you'll hear at the, one of the verses you'll hear at the, at the cemetery talks about the body being sown into the ground, which when we live in this area where we have a lot of farmers, we know exactly what sowing means. When you sow something into the ground, you're hoping something is going to come up. The reason that scripture uses that word sown is not because we're going to leave it there and there's nothing is ever going to happen. What it is, and this is echoed again in another great hymn for all the saints, is that the day is going to come, Jesus is going to walk through the cemeteries. He's going to walk by the graves and he's just going to sit, he's going to go by and say, wake up, get up. And everyone will listen. This body will rise strong, mighty, glorified. That is the promise of Jesus. What an incredible power and gift he's given us. Because that stuff that I talked about in this world that she lived through, she will never have to see that again. None of us, when we get there, will see that again. So until that day comes, 
May the faith, the joy, the word of God dwell in you richly, that we may all celebrate in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.